we finish in our teaching portion, so we'll have the day on uh, Isaiah 54th chapter and the 13th verse that gives us two teaching periods on it. The title of the day's lesson is Teachability, Training in Righteousness. Isaiah 54th chapter and the 13th verse says, And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thine children. Uh, driving up here when we're talking about purpose and what is life, you know, is it a purpose or is it, what is it about? But we, it's a, we, some of us, only some of us will learn what life is all about and the purpose of life. That's those that God show that or reveal it to a draw to himself to show. There's a, Holy Bible, and a lot of people read that Bible and study that Bible, but there's something about that Bible that is not written, wrote to the carnal man. But even though the carnal man have read it and it has made it a much, much better world, it's not written to the carnal man, and the application is to his spiritual children. So when we read verse 50, 13 out of, out of the 54th chapter, let's read it this way. And all your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord. In other words, followers of the Lord because everybody is not a follower of the Lord. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. So only those that continue in the Word of God and all of us that are born again or have faith in God realize when He said continue in His Word. That means being abiding in His Word but having a new heart. He's then giving you a circumcised heart in that you're different from the rest of the people because this teaching and the transforming and the renewing of the mind, it's disciplining you. It's making you a new person. He's now writing his laws upon your heart. He's giving you a different ability. In other words, now you have the actual ability to be taught of God. That circumcision in the new heart. He says, and great will be the well-being of your sons. In other words, those that are following are trained in this discipline and that are true spiritual sons. Now, it might physically happen to some of the natural-born children because just as Ishmael, I mean, was it Esau was blessed, Esau ended up with so much goods and everything. He says the Lord had blessed him. He wouldn't take the gift that Jacob was trying to give to him. But the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, he doesn't uh, doesn't have the ability to search and find out about God because God doesn't reveal himself to him. God is only knowable to the people that he draw to him. They, so when it says they all shall be taught of God and learn of God, 
they have to have this teachability. They don't have this rebellion or rejection of the Word of God. So teachability is the ability to learn by instructions. There's a lot of people that don't like following instructions. But the Word of God is instructions. It's indeed instructions. It's doctrine. It's a statute. It's a canon of law. It's a way of life. Isaiah 28, chapter in the 9th through the 22nd verse. I won't read all of that. I'll read this portion here where it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? To whom shall he teach knowledge? And who shall he make to understand doctrine? We know, as he told Isaiah, that he could preach but the people wouldn't hear, nor see, nor understand. He has to give you the ability to open up to where you can understand what is being said, what is being done, the instructions that are given. It says, And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and draw from the breast. Those it pictures a growing individual that doesn't have to, in other words, not sheltered anymore. They're exercised for use of uh, independency from the maternal matrix in which they were born. They, as a little child, but now it's developing. It's on the road of the path to maturity. The disciples was on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus was talking to them, and they didn't realize who Jesus was. They were saying about a death of a disciple, a death of the one that they thought would be the Messiah. The book of Luke goes into this in the 24th chapter, in the 45th verse, that they were eating bread, that they ate dinner, and Jesus was there after conversing and walking with them some amount of distance in the 24th chapter in the 45th verse says then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures so he has to open up our understanding that we could understand the word of God like I say it's really written but to, to intellect it's not written to the wise so you can't figure out God I tell you it's a mystery of godliness and a mystery is not something that you can figure out when talking about God. It's something that God reveals unto you. He has to show you this. The Amplified Version says, Then he opened their minds to help them understand the Scripture. That's why the old heart, I was telling my nephew today, the old heart does you no good. He has to give you a new heart. That old heart is a heart that's not pliable to the things of God that Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah the heart is deceitfully wicked so he gives you a new heart, that's why he says by the transforming of our mind, let that same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus, so the mind, the heart is the understanding the noose it's where we, we, we know of God, not this vessel pumping in your chest if we have a heart transplant, that doesn't mean that we get the same intellect to where the heart from the individual the heart was planted in from. 
the understanding is here, the mind. So, uh, Living says, then he opened their minds to understand at last these many scriptures because he tells us to read the scriptures. They testify of him. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus Christ. Yes. Training. So there must be training. In the book of Exodus, the second chapter, the ninth through the tenth verse, tells about Pharaoh's daughter finding Moses. And I think I may have touched on it last week. And when they found Moses, uh, the daughter of Miriam was there close. And she sent Miriam to get one of the Hebrew women to tend to Moses and Miriam went and got her mother, which was the child's real mother, and through God's providence, through God, now we see that God has us set, just like he had Moses set where Moses' real mother, maternity, raised him to the time he was to be weaned which is very important, those formative years. In the long process of faith and conviction building in Moses, God was laying a foundation in him that people of faith parented him during his most formative years. And that's why a lot of women uh, look out for medical leave or maternal leave because that's the most formative time when that child is first born and that newborn infant there and here God set it to where Moses, I guess, I guess the time of weaning during that time was three or four years maybe. But that, that foundation was laid that he was in a household of faith. When we're born, born of the Spirit, a faith coming by hearing the Word of God. When we're born again, it seems that we're invigorated. We're in the church. We've heard God's Word. It's very, very important that we leave not our first love and that that hunger and thirst there for the Word of God, which should be there. As a young convert, no matter whether you're 15, you're 50, or you're 80, no matter what age, when you're born again, you should start having a hunger, a desire for the milk of the Word. We talked about milk, who she, who would teach those that are the milk. That That's something to nourish us by. That's something for that we would grow by. That's something used in training. So one should never conclude that the first several years of a child's life are unimportant. That's the very most first thing where the foundation is laid. And it's been found out that that's, that's the most important time in a child's life and I always give the example this bad I guess sometimes you don't want to use yourself as an illustration or whatever but God blessed me to where my wife was able to be at home and attend to all five of our children before they went to school it was five or six before they left you know before we had to do so what is the path that it will be in training these children bringing them up because Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, train means to hedge in, uh, to put a wall around, or uh, to narrow the way. And, and we hear about God's Word being the narrow way. Some come the broad way, but the narrow way is a way of training. That's why God 
brings us by the straight gate, the narrow way. In other words, there's a lot of baggage we need to pull off because we've been trained in the incubator of the world and we were shaping in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. So we've been shaped by this world and it's our feelings and emotions and pleasantries that Jesus said, if you could be my disciple, you must hate mother, father, sister, brother, even your own life. See, because a disciple gives up his life to become like the master. In other words, we have to die to self. We have to deny ourselves, take the suffering and take up our cross and follow after him. Our focus, and that's why faith is good for us, because now we see the object of our faith, that is Jesus Christ. We need to keep our eyes on him to be made in his image, in his likeness, in that other help of the Holy Spirit which he had given us. That's the one going to lead us and guide us in all truth. That's the one that's going to make us just like him. In his image, in his likeness. That's why he has given us something inward that shall never leave us or forsake us that is helped to train us. He says to write their, my laws upon their heart because see through the natural man, through the Old Testament, through the others that were under the law, it was weak through the flesh. Yes. See, but now when he's washing you with the word and sprinkling you with the word, that's a growth that's going to take place that you t- tasted of the Lord to see is he good and now you struggling in that matrix of God's world. You've come out of the world. Now you, the kingdom of God is within you struggling to get out of you, but you start seeing the kingdom of God is among you. You're trying to bring it down to his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So you have an active part in this. You have an active part as the baby is struggling to be removed from the parents' placenta. We're struggling to be removed from this world and take part in the invisible world of faith that's around us. We see Jesus Christ and we see, you remember as I was saying on the way up here, it's the perspective in which we see things. We start seeing from his perspective. We're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith. Uh, God was doing this through Aram and Jacobed, which was Moses' parents' name. They were starting Moses down the right path. Succinctly, the principle is that the right training produces the right result. The right training produces the right result. That's why we're saying train up a child in the way that he should go. He will not depart from it when he's old. But see, now we're forsaking that training that we had in the world. Now, it might have been some Christian training. It may have been, I don't know what. We can't fault our parents for the way we were born physically or the family or the home we were born into. That's why I say we see God's providence there. We see God's omniscience there. We see God's choosing work in there because he's always been there. And we see his divine hand in bringing us the way that we should go. Athletic teams and ballet teams and the Olympics people don't just go out and 
do the Olympics overnight, it takes years and years of training. I've heard about how much Larry Bird would go in the gym and just practice free throws all the time. You see Seth Curry, he's just always practicing. Practice it makes better. Practicing over and over and over. As armies train, you notice that armies always going out on drills and maneuvers and things. Drill, drill, drill. Over and over until all the participants can do their parts automatically. It's like not second nature, but it's first nature to them. Well, that's what has to happen with us. The skills become an integral part of them that perform them routinely. So we have to study the Word of God to show ourselves approved. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So that has to be what we do, consistently doing this. Proper training will endure throughout life. You get to the point if you're not reading your daily devotion or reading some parts of God's Word, you feel naked. You feel without power. Something is missing. During the course of the day, so you're meditating on God's Word, but what it is, it's old food that you're meditating on. You didn't get that fresh manna from God that morning. We prayed that God would give us our daily bread. So we're being taught in a way to get the fresh manna each morning. Praying, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. That God would give us a, a, a nutriment, his food. And our food is that we know those that are being trained that Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So we know we must hide his word in our heart, or we won't sin against him till it becomes who we are. In a Christian's life, that is all we do. I remember Joseph Bell coming up in school or whatever. He consistently had that Bible with him all through the school day, all the time. Bell was in that Bible, and I, I see... In my formative years, I, that's where I was lacking. Now, I did read the Bible. I did hear Christian sermons and different things with the gospel, but I wasn't where I should be. I was still looking at it from a carnal standpoint, I think. People are material and people are mortal. But God puts his children through a training program to prepare them for eternal life, and that's what church is, is a preparatory thing. We were talking about testing or whatever. It's not just testing. We could say it like God tested Abraham, but it's training. It's training, and each day we're to overcome. We're to make right decisions. God God has us, and as I was talking about the, the idiom of uh, the school of art, not yesterday, all of our lives, just like Abraham, over a 35-year period, God was building his faith to the point when he staggered not at the promises of God when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. But we see that Abraham had staggered at the promises of God when Sarah told him to go into Hagar. We see when he was at Abimelech that he staggered. But see, God looks at us in a complete state, just like in 
Jesus Christ, we boldly go before the throne of grace and petition the Father in Jesus' name because Jesus had completed it. It is finished. He had prepared the way for us to be able to access God because when God sees us, he sees us under the blood of Jesus Christ. We, he's our covering. His righteousness has been imputed unto us in through obedience. If we obedience and his commandments, if we keep his commandments, that's what First John says. We know we have the petition. We desire him because we keep his commandments. They're not grievous unto him, us because we are children and we down here doing a job that our father sent us to do. And with the training also comes the, the, the supplies to do this training. He supplies that which it which it takes to carry out the process we are in. What kind of king doesn't count the cost before going to war? So he knows what we have to lose. He knows what we have to gain. So that's why I say, as people pray, you see in the Bible where it says, pray, he tells you to pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send more laborers into the harvest field. He says, anything that you ask Ask the Father in my name that he will do. See, but we have to learn to ask in Jesus Christ's name. We have to learn to get our prayers answered, not to ask amiss, not to consume it upon our own lust. So within the teaching and training comes, Lord, as Peter says, teach us how to pray. See, because we have that unction with the Father that sometimes we don't know what they ask about. We don't know what to pray for. That's when the Spirit make it intercession for us. Because sometimes as babes, we don't even know what to ask for. I was telling someone the day that I was going to go back and pray to God of what transpired between him and I. I pray to God for the people that does me things. I pray to God for the people that does things for me. I pray about everything. He says, in prayer and supplication let your request be known to God. So we are being trained to ask the Father because that's who we're trying to please and we ask in His name. We go to the Father. So we are trained to be dependent upon Jesus Christ and to ask the Father for the things that we need. He trains them in a way that we endure for all of eternity because this character, this development, the training that we're doing, it becomes fixed and fitted in at some point in time. That we become a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. So that's what the church's job is. A priest intercedes to God for man and he teaches man. So the church, we can't teach error. So we must learn the truth. We must speak the truth. We must learn, and that's why he gave the ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the edification of the saints, church. Also here, in dealing with eternal consequences, we understand why God considers doctrine, teaching, and instruction so important. What you teach, what you say is very important. Because that's the will of God. That's what righteousness is. It has to be. That's why a lot of people struggle with the sayings of Paul or twist them or whatever because we need to be able to learn instructions. It was very important. He says, Adam, 
don't eat of that tree. The day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now you can eat from all of these other trees. John, we read in the first John, when he was saying that you have no need of any man to teach you for the Spirit teaching you itself. We have to realize why he wrote that book. He was dealing with the Gnostics. It was Gnosticism, the teaching. I know you didn't heard of Gnosticism and people thinking that there's a secret teaching and that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that God, this understanding and wisdom that was in him, but it left him that just as a man it was up on him and that he wasn't God incarnate in the flesh and that all these things, and that's why he says he that confesseth that Jesus has come in the flesh is of God, but he was addressing the Gnostics during that time. There's a lot of people now saying that there's secret teaching and there's certain people that God reveals this unto in that we don't need, in other words, destabilizing the structure of what would be the church, that the church structure that God had set, the unity and the way of life in the church, and that's why we see so many go out on their own and establish churches and do things and not in accordance in accordance with God. That's why John says they were not of us, else they would have continued with us. That's why we have so many different teachings and doctrines and instructions. They've gotten off the beaten path. Everybody wants to be their own leader. It's like the time of judges. Every man doing what's right in his own eyesight and interpreting the scriptures themselves maybe having a private interpretation of Scripture, and there's some hidden or secret knowledge that God had given them. Proverbs 29 and 15 says, The rod of reproof, that is, godly instruction, give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. So if a child is left to himself, where is his training coming from? Too many of us today are too busy working two or three jobs, gaining materially or whatever, and the child is left without discipline, without oversight, without rearing. And so now he gets his learning from the world. He learns from the world. His training comes from the world. Uh, It comes from society. It comes from YouTube. It comes from these things on television. It comes from TikTok. So God had set the family there. The mother has to get that child on learning from her and learning from the father and making them the center of the nucleus, the shepherd. Because now if you take their Game Boy or their uh, TikTok or their iPhones or their iPads or whatever, you have a problem because those are their teachers. And it's so much unsubstantiated knowledge out there, so many misunderstandings, so many purported truths, but it's their truths. It's not by God's standard. Making it harder for us to rear our children, making the family be divided, and that everybody has their truth. 
the truth is no longer absolute. The truth now is objective and it's relative. But Jesus Christ said, I'm the truth. I'm the way of life. But a lot of people say, well, there are other ways. No, he says he's the only way. But they say there'll be many ways. So there are many branches they're going off in. So we must catch this training and teach these them that it's only this one way that it's only one God the proper instructions the training uh, comes from sometimes their peers and they listen to many others other than their parents or other than the ministry in the church or whatever and because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child according to Proverbs 22 and 15 a child left to himself brings shame upon the mother, mother and on the father, and is he's undirected if it is not drilled. A discipline is not drilled into him. You remember I said about the rod. Well, the same thing with the word of God for us, because He says we must come as little children. So sometimes God's word has to come in the form of a sharp rebuke. You remember when. Jesus asked Peter who that that thou say I am. He gave Peter uh, accolades about that. Yes, but you didn't get this on your own. My Father from heaven revealed this unto you. He put him under the tutorship of God that anything that comes into your mind that's not of God is not the right thing. But what you saw here, God showed you the actual truth. But in that same mind that you have, when it's pushed or driven by selfish ambition, when it's driven by self-ambition and self-serving interest, now Peter rebukes Jesus and telling, Lord, that shouldn't be. Now he's in the place of instructing the instructor. Jesus has to issue a sharp rebuke and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. See, because everything that comes into our mind, we have to be able to discern good and evil. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. That spirit of truth comes into us. It tames the tongue. No man can bridle the tongue. But the Holy Spirit can bridle the tongue. Our teacher, because... As a teacher, we should be patient and amped to teach, but we shouldn't strive. We shouldn't get into some of these arguments that we get into. So we notice that sometimes there are confrontations, and Jesus was always, a lot of time there was friction in between him and the Pharisees, but notice that he didn't try to make peace with them for the sake of peace. It says, live as peaceable as possible with all men, but not to the sake of compromising or being tolerant to a discretion or a twisting of the truth. So Jesus stood firm and remained steadfast in the faith, and they wanted to kill him for that. He didn't acquiesce to their side and say, well, okay, you just write for the sake of argument. He never yielded that way. He stood his ground, and sometimes it was offensive. Peter says, Lord, do you know that they were offended by what you told them? Sometimes the truth can be offensive. 
the opposite side of this verse about instructing and instructing the side the child. It says, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Just like beating a child, he's not going to die. He has to be disciplined. You have to use corporate punishment. But the same with the church. Sometimes we have to use the rod. We've noticed that the word of God has been called the rod or the sword of the spirit. Sometimes it's not niceties and being with piety, a false piety, and sometimes you have to say the harsh and the hard things. That's why you have to be exercising skill in the use of the word because that word is a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. But we must guard our mouths because what comes out of the mouth is what defiles the man. So that's why I say we have to be trained. The whole earth is a training ground for us. And we have to follow the word of God. This is our instructor and he give us one in the interior. He says, I'll send another helper that's going to guide you in all truth. He's the teacher. The rod symbolizes that someone has taken an interest in the outcome of this child's life. If you're not disciplined or chastened, this, the Bible, Hebrew says, then are you bastards. If God doesn't discipline us, that means we're not his children. So that word uh, train, that word used in that sense, we'll get to it in Titus here, I think, also means to chasten. It means to chasten. God chastens his children. He scorns every, every child that he, he receives. So we see that chastening is in the place. So that's why it's suffering. We have to suffer to any end. Because this correction sometimes, the rod of reproof, the, the, the side of that sheep shepherd staff was also used as a club. He had a short billy club along with the staff. That's why it says, thy rod and thy staff, it comforted me. But sometimes it's disciplines you also. He is giving directions, corrections, and instructions to steer the child where he is to go. Training and teaching make it make all the difference in the world, and that's what we do in the Word of God. And I think the Catholic churches or some church has what they call catechism classes or something like that. Because we have to learn this doctrine. I don't know why we would learn football scores. We would learn about sports. We would learn about music. We learn about everything, but we don't want to learn the Word of God. You know, Bible study and praying and going through word studies and things, that's something people are not really given to. They might want to come in and hear a 10 or 15 minute sermon, but without the teaching, you, the sermon is just arousing a passion in you, and that's why he told Ezekiel, they love to hear you preach, they love to come hear you preaching, but they're not going to do anything. Why? Because they don't understand that they've been touched with a feeling of emotion through preaching. God the truth, God the truth, Second Timothy 1 and 5. He says, I remember your sincere, unqualified faith that is the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power 
is wisdom, goodness, and faith, which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am confident that it is in you as well. So Paul had reason to, to entrust Timothy with the church's doctrine. He had committed sound doctrine unto him. Told him to preach the word. He has committed to Timothy was his child in the faith. He was the Timothy's father in the faith. He had been trained in the scriptures by his parents from a youth. Remember, I told you Moses was trained by Jacobed and Aram, his parents. In a Christian way of life, by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So Paul seen that there were proper structure in Timothy's life. That he had been reared in this. He was a third generation Christian. Grandmother, mother. And he had the training that gave him the background to be an evangelist within God's work. That's why it's, it's bad kind of when you have people that come from the street or come in and say they're like Paul or God changed them. And the Bible tells you not to set a novice in in charge over people. Because that's someone with a lot of times with self-ambition, not knowing the word of God, but they move so fast, sometimes they put the church under a lot of debt, a strain, or they allow unrepentant people in, they allow the world in or whatever. There's a problem from receiving novice in. A lot of people say, well, I'm like Paul, I was killing Christians or whatever. You don't know Paul's background. Paul was a Pharisee, so he knew the law in Jesus Christ. The church was a challenge to him because he seen Christianity as trying to replace the God he knew and was instructed in. But when he the scales fell from his eyes and said, Lord, who art thou? Ananias prayed for him. Now he's seen that Jesus was this anointed Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ. The Lord had appeared unto him. So that's why Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, because it was all about the law. That's why the book of Romans is so dense. That's why Peter says a lot of people wrestle with the scriptures that Paul writes with. Paul's writing to their own destruction and understanding because they can't understand Paul because they're not spiritual. And see, there's a lot of people that come in the church. That's what about the mega churches, a lack of repentance. They're not preaching repentance. They're missing the whole gospel. Uh, how extensive and personal his training was, we don't know, you know, but we know that he had a godly grandmother and a godly mother. So the basis of it was there. At least he had a form of the right kind of training. And we know that people sometimes have a form of godliness, but then they start lacking. And we see where some areas Timothy might have been weak or whatever, preaching and teaching the gospel. He was allowing some people to get him upset or whatever. And like some preachers and teachers, he had started to have upset stomach and ulcers and things. And Paul says, drink a little wine for the often infirmities. It would settle the, 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 the gastric acid, the refluxes and things that he was having because ministry, if you do ministry right, it, it can be very tiring. It can be 
very worship. So he told Timothy this. Uh, Timothy wasn't like Titus. He wasn't like some of the others. He said Titus to Crete. And that, that was some hard dealings with the people in Crete. Uh, Titus the second chapter. While talking about Titus. Titus the second chapter 11 through 12th verse. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust." We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I'll read that in the Amplified. says, For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity. You keep asking about purpose. I've noticed you said purpose today. Here's the word purpose for you. It shows you how to live godly lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. We have to be spiritually mature in this present age. Now here Paul writes that grace, self-motivated, condescending reconciling and tender forgiving mercy has all appeared. All of this has came down. Now I asked the other day who had breathed our report or who can you teach this to? Uh, All of your children shall be taught of God. How has grace appeared to bring salvation? The gospel. The gospel preaching and teaching. That's why we must preach the gospel to all men go throughout the earth preach the gospel and preaching when they don't want to hear preaching the word caring for the good news because God had set it in men that has this seed of faith that they would be regenerated and that hearing the word of God generates faith that seed of faith they're born by the word of God that's why we must proclaim the word of God We must proclaim it with truth. We must proclaim it boldly. We must have clean hands. We must have a right life and proclaim that word. And it's going to have an effect on God's children. It births them to life. They're born not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, but by the word of God. That's why we have to preach the word. And that word touches something that God has placed in them that spirit, that inner spirit that's trying to get out and shape and form them and it gives them a hunger for that word. That's why it says he that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. God's going to fill you full of the word if you desire and seek after the word. If you're looking for it, if you're trying with all your might, you shall be filled. That's why we pray Give us this day our daily bread. He's going to continue to feed you. What he told Peter? Peter, feed the flock. Feed my sheep. Feed. We, we focused on that yesterday. So the shepherd's job is to continue to feed. What can we feed the sheep? We only can feed the sheep sheep food. That's the word of God. But that's why mega churches and a lot of churches grow because a lot of 
false professors and things are in there, they're consuming anything that comes out. They're getting fat because goats eat anything. A sheep is finicky about what it eats. That's why he says, my sheep won't hear any, anyone, just anyone. My sheep know my voice. And so that's, what, that's the strength of the church there. Uh, we need to preach the gospel, and, and the gospel includes our great, the message of our great hope that's in him, the promise of Christ's return. It preaches Jesus' perfect life and his death for the forgiveness of our sin. It's a complete gospel that does all this, but it also preaches repentance. It preaches turning. It preaches a changed life. When using the passive voice, it means to show openly a shine a light upon with a sense of a sudden and unexpectedness. Now this part of the sense here, since we do not normally expect grace to reveal or teach us anything, it says the grace of God had been revealed to all men. It's like the sun breaking through the clouds there. You saw it. It's revealed. It comes suddenly. Christ will suddenly come back again. But the grace of God does teach something according to Titus here. Doesn't it teach us something? I just read what it teaches in the 11 verses. In the 11th verse. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. So those of us that do that hear the voice of God and it starts to grow in us when we start denying worldly lust and ungodliness. That we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The way we should live. It should change our lives when we hear that. Now, grace, however, has a clear message that has much to do with our responsibility and growth. It, it, it makes you accountable. You have an obligation and you have a chance to grow. Teaching in Titus 2.12 is the Greek word paedodio, also translated as chastens in Hebrew 12 and 6. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Paedodio. It is used in the sense of schooling, a training, a discipline. That's what that word is used that way in the book of Titus. It's used as schooling, a training, a discipline. So you have to be teachable in these areas. That, that's what this is bringing. That's what the word of God is bringing. That's why I said we have to study it. We, he has to give us understanding. In other words, open up our minds so that we can understand what's being taught. Now in the context of educating a child, it describes an activity directed toward moral and spiritual development and influencing conscious will and action so it has an element of regeneration in that child. And that I'm not just talking about age-wise, I'm talking about in that newborn, that born-again Christian. It has that regenerating effect. It, it turns their moral compass to where they just can't watch or say or do anything. Their lives are like Joseph's life. He say, how can I commit this sin against this, do this and sin against God? You look at morality, the people you choose, your circles, 
how you operate. You sit it not in the seat of scorners of the ungodly. In other words, the word has an effect on your life. That there is a great effect. That's why we'll prosper and our peace would be great because now the word of God is coming home. We've entered into his rest. Because the Spirit is doing the work. It's working in us. That's why it says, Come unto me, for my burden is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. In religious matter, that word paideo means chastening to to educate one to conform to the divine truth. And you remember I said we have to be conformed to his image and his likeness because our ways are not like his ways. So that's why I say it changes us. We have to be changed people. We can't say, well, that's the way I am, or you know how he was. Yeah, the way he was, that man has to die. The old man has to die. There's a new reckoning here. Now, this also includes instruction as in a classroom. That is, remember I told you, drilling, and it's practice, practice, practice. In ROTC, when I was in high school, we wasn't just out there marching and drilling. We also had study work. We would also be in the classroom studying paperwork. Sergeant Gotro and Sergeant Miller and Sergeant Levy and all of them, we had to do that. I I made it up to command Sergeant Major. I had a a lot of letters on me there. I had a a lot of strife. But with it came a lot of responsibility. And I said, well, no, I don't think I want to go into the real army. I think... See, I didn't have a hunger for that. My hunger, I didn't realize that, but that was something in me that took me in this direction here. Even in my early 30s, this is the direction in which it brought me, the path of God. But I hadn't departed from the path in which I was on ever since I was a child. But all of this was part of the journal journey. You remember I said... God has you on a journey, just like Moses' journey started with his parents nurturing him, but he went into Pharaoh's household for 40 years. Then he went on the backside of the desert for 40 years. All of that was preparatory training for leading the people of Israel, for leading the millions of people. But it also started with him murdering an Egyptian because they attacked his Hebrew brethren in which he had a natural affinity for them because his mother had taught him who he was and where he came from. And he thought that, that he was going to be the deliverer. But you remember I say, our thoughts and our ways, it wasn't that type deliverer just like the Jewish people didn't accept Christ but he, because he didn't come as a conquering military Messiah. He came as a crucified Savior. He died on the cross. They rejected him. Well, God says, Moses, this is not what I have for you to overcome Egypt and the, and, and the free and to deliver the people. You get on the backside of the desert as a shepherd for another 40 years and, and then I can work with you. So during that preparatory time, 40 whole years before we, he called him and said, now you go and tell Pharaoh what I say. I'm going to make you my spokesman. He was nervous at that time, but he was learning. If we look in the back of, in the book of Hebrew, we see where Moses was learning in the Egyptian language and in all of the things 
in Egypt, Moses was a very learned individual. Just as you see the Moses on the Ten Commandments was learned and building structures and everything, he was training to be a pharaoh of Egypt before he fled. So he had all types of training, and he was very teachable, but he also had to learn on the backside of that desert. God had to take him through the school of hard knocks. Then he called, and Moses said, well, I, I can't talk, I can't speak right. Okay, well, I'll send Aaron with you. But you go in and do what I told you to do. Because he was trained to do that. Yes. Instructions in classroom, but it means also like in children, chastisement as in spanking or rebuking to bang about correction. But sometimes God uses the sword to correct us. The evil hand of man is the arm of God. That's the sword of God. He uses the evil man to punish him. That's why he sent sent a cherub against Israel and they destroyed Israel. That's why he sent Nebuchadnezzar in there. Nebuchadnezzar was the one that did the work of God. Nebuchadnezzar wrote the fourth chapter of Daniel. He says, my servant Nebuchadnezzar. So we have to get an understanding, not just from the older preachers and everything who had a glimpse, but didn't have quite the understanding as some of us has. As the book of Daniel says, knowledge and understanding shall increase. The light shall grow bright. And that's why I say we should be one studying and start seeing much better. There's much more light at this time. We should be under that light. God's grace teaches us by putting under us but us by putting us under obligation negatively to quit sinning in other words we have to we have that obligation he who names the name of Christ shall depart from iniquity we have to quit sinning there's a lot of things we have to quit doing yes, yes. and positively we have to grow and produce fruit we must bring forth fruit every tree that is in me bears forth fruit and he prunes it so he can bang, bring it much fruit. But every tree that don't, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. We in or out, we out. We can't be idle. And this is the last one I hope I've gotten here. Hebrews 5, 11-14. Concerning this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. For though by this time you ought to be teachers because of the time you have had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's Word from the beginning. And you have come to be continually in need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he's a spiritual infant, you remember Paul called the Christians carnal, they are yet babes, they are not ready for the meat, the strong meat of the word. He says, but solid food is for the spiritually mature. You want to go eat a steak or something, you need to be grown to eat a steak, you need to be, because it's sometimes the meat you get choked on it, you need to be able to eat strong Stop. Solid food, it says. 
But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. I'll read that in the other version here, King James. This is much more I would like to say. There's much more I'd like to say along these lines. But you don't seem to listen, so it's hard to make you understand. You've been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you've dropped back to the place where you need someone to teach you all over again the very first principles of God's Word. You're like babies who can drink only milk and not old, not old enough for solid food. And when a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far along in his Christian life. And he doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. He's still a baby Christian. You will never be able to eat solid spiritual food and understand the deeper things of God's word until you become better Christians and learn right from wrong by practicing doing right. By what? Practicing doing right. To be doers of God's word. We must grow and be strong. Now, I can talk about the rod of reproof, but we see discipline a child after a while. Even every once in a while, we have to tap a baby. So we have to learn strong rebukes. We have to use the word of God. It's trial and error. You go fall sometimes. That's chastening in the word of God. But you must be teachable. You must learn from your mistakes because you keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome. That's insanity. That's a definition of insanity. We must learn. God, it's like deja vu. God give us chances and opportunities. We must choose the right. He says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. But if he's didn't give you the ability to make those choices, you understand the consequences of what's going on. You've been instructed in these things. You've been made aware that there are consequences for choosing the wrong. For walking in darkness. So, by studying God's Word, looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the examples, the consequences, because the Old Testament was written for our admonition as examples unto us. So, if you throw that out, you you throw the whole half of what you need to know out. Be strong in the Lord. Be teachable. Heavenly Fathers, we come before you.